0: My family and I were recently on vacation, and as a family with young kids, being on vacation is actually more tiring than our regular work week. But there were some some precious moments as well. And I will always cherish this moment when we were just tidying up from a a picnic at the beach, and my youngest daughter had an apple in her hand, and she climbed up onto my lap, and between bites of her apple, she spontaneously started singing about how she loves her daddy, and her daddy loves her. And uh, this is just absolutely adorable. But uh, to put it into context, It's not always that sweet. (laughs) Having a four-year-old is a handful, and uh, I do see her at her best when she's thoughtful and kind and helpful and when she runs to leap into my arms for a full-body hug. Those times are nice, but there's also some times when she'll run away as I'm trying to brush her teeth, or when she'll slap me in the face for no reason, and I'll have to talk with her about appropriate behavior and having good boundaries, and there's times when pretty much every day I'll have to diffuse a dispute between her and her older sister. It's a complicated, dynamic relationship as father and daughter, but in that whole, you know, smorgasbord of things in our relationship, there are these tender moments. And ultimately, I I trust that even in, in the hard times together, we both know that we love each other. And that got me thinking about my relationship with God. What is it like to figuratively sit on my Heavenly Father's lap and sing of His love for me and my love for Him? Today we're beginning a new sermon series, slowly exploring what it looks like to live out the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Each week we will focus on a different part of this, so today we're narrowing in just on that first bit, love the Lord your God with all your heart. So today I want to respond to two basic questions. What does it mean to love God with all our heart? And secondly, what does wholehearted love look like in our everyday lives? And the good news that I want to share with you is that when we give our whole heart to God, he shapes it to resemble his heart. This is what is promised in Ezekiel 36:26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Before diving in, let's pray. Living God, we thank you for revealing your heart to us all throughout scripture and especially in the person of Jesus. Speak to us today Transform our hearts as we encounter your loving presence. Amen. So what does it mean to love God with all our heart? We could look at this from various angles. We could look at what love means. We could look at what the heart means. But I think it would be helpful to focus on just this one little word that's easy to miss. All. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. When we live into what this little word implies, our lives can be changed dramatically. Back in 2009, John Mayer and Taylor Swift uh, released a a duet, a song together called Half of My Heart. It was a catchy, mid-tempo love song, and it spoke to the reality that, many of us struggle to give our whole heart away. But near the end of the song, it had this this simple phrase that speaks a profound truth. Half of my heart won't do. That's that's true for human companionship, but all the more true for our relationship with God. Half of our heart won't do if we're going to follow Jesus. We might be tempted to give God just half of our heart, but he wants our whole heart. And wholehearted love for God means being all in, holding nothing back. This summer, my family's gone swimming a little bit, but I've been a little reluctant to get into the water. Whether it's the ocean, the lake, or even the pool, the water never quite feels warm enough. So sometimes I would just dip my toes a little bit and the cold chill would be enough to decide to go read a book on the beach instead. Other times I would maybe wade in waist deep, try my best, but realize "Eh, I'm going to go warm up. But there was a few times where I mustered up the courage, I counted down, three, two, one, and I dove in and got fully immersed. And as my body slowly acclimatized to the cold temperature of the water, I was able to swim freely. Have you been dipping your toes or wading waist deep when it comes to God? Some of you here might be exploring faith, and we're so glad that you're here. And I encourage you to... uh, to count down and and take the full plunge in in following the Lord when you're ready, even if you're a little nervous to do so. I, I hope that you'll encounter the living God authentically and experience this love that can change your life. But it's not only at the start of our faith journey when we can struggle to be all in. It requires ongoing letting God deeper into our hearts for our our transformation. Of course, when we talk about the heart in this context, we're we're not talking about the organ in our body that pumps blood, we're talking about our, our inner depths, that part of us that's unseen, but which we live with each day. Our heart includes our emotions, our will, our desires, our longings, our motivations, our unconscious biases, our perception of divine purpose, and all the deep sources inside of us that make us who we are. We're familiar with our own heart to a degree. As I said, we live with ourselves each day. But ultimately, only God knows our full depths. We can be a mystery to ourselves sometimes. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they ask you, why did you do that? And for some reason, you have no idea why you did the thing you did. We, 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 we need God's help in order to access the full depths of who we are and why we do things. So I found it helpful to pray the words of Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Inviting God deep into our hearts requires courage. We need to trust God's loving presence with the parts of ourselves that we would rather hide. Quite naturally, we want to protect ourselves from rejection. So we often uh, give our most presentable hearts to God and, and to others, hoping that maybe our best self is lovable. But if we offer only a partial self, a pretend self, a, a false self, there's significant parts of who we are that we are leaving away from God's transforming love. So loving God with our whole heart means we, we can't section off different parts of ourselves. I can't say, God, I'll, I'll give you my joyful heart, my, my hopeful and grateful heart, but you can't touch my anger or my sadness. God wants my whole heart. This passage in Ezekiel that I read said that God would remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. It's a promise of transformation. God offers us a heart transplant. God will reach into our chest to remove our cold, lifeless, stony hearts and to replace it with a tender heart like His. There could be many reasons why people have a hard heart at times, a heart of stone. Maybe there's something in your life that you know is wrong but you are either unwilling or unable to give it up. And this is having a hardening effect on your heart. Or maybe your experience of grief or disappointment or injustice or suffering has made it hard for you to trust God. So you you close off part of your heart from God in an attempt to preserve yourself. Maybe your doubts or fears or apathy feel like a wall between your heart and God's heart. No matter what your situation, God knows, God understands, God cares. But God also loves us so much that he doesn't want to leave us with a heart of stone. We were created to have a heart of flesh So I wonder if all of us might be willing to open our hearts even just a little bit more towards God, that he may shape our heart to resemble his. I recently read a book called Surrender to Love by David Benner, who is a psychologist and author. In a chapter called Transformed by Love, he wrote, Christian conversion is the most radical change process in human history, the scope of transformation it entails makes even the most extravagant claims of therapeutic psychology pale by comparison. And remember, he's a psychologist saying that. But if, I, if an encounter with divine love is really so transformational, how is it that so many of us have survived such encounters relatively unchanged? The single most important thing I've learned in over 30 years of study of how love produces healing is that love is transformational only when it is received in vulnerability. I'm going to say that last part again. Love is transformational only when it is received in vulnerability. Are you willing to be vulnerable with God? Will you let God touch the the painful parts of your life? It's only when we're vulnerable with God that God can bring transformation in our areas of shame, of weakness, of sin. It's only when we open up with God about our disappointment, our doubt, our anger, our grief, that God will touch those painful places with his perfect love. God will not force his love on anyone, God will not manipulate us into giving our hearts to him. It's always a gentle yet persistent invitation. As Richard Foster says in his excellent book called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, the Father's heart is open wide. You are welcome to come in. It's always an invitation. When we move from being half-hearted to whole-hearted and from being hard-hearted to tender-hearted, we also discover that our hurting heart can become a healing heart. When we let go of our tight grip on the painful parts of our heart, God is able to do what only God can do in us. When my youngest daughter tripped and fell on a dirt path when we were camping, she was understandably crying in pain. And at first, she wouldn't let us touch or even see her scraped knee. But with enough comfort and gentle reassurance, she eventually let us gently wipe away the dirt from her wound. But this was a start-and-stop process. She kept on being afraid of the pain, so we had to keep assuring her, comforting her, and trying to explain to her that if we don't clean her wound, the pain will only get worse. When you let God clean the wounds of your heart, you begin to move from a hurting heart to a healing heart. And just as the saying goes, hurt people, hurt people, meaning that we often cause damage in others' lives out other of the damage done in our own lives, the same is true that healing per- people can be a part of healing others. When, when we let God transform us to touch the deep areas of pain in our lives, we can be a part of joining God in, in doing that for others bringing healing and transformation to those that we come across. We begin to to care about the things that God cares about as, as our heart is transformed. We grow a heart of love and compassion. Our heart longs for peace and justice and God's provision for others. We empathize with the suffering of fellow human beings, and we are moved to act, to do something, There will be a whole other sermon on loving others later in this series, and I don't want to steal that thunder, but I just want to point now to this connection between our love for God and then our love for others. When we give God our whole heart, he shapes it to resemble his heart of compassion. So far we've looked at what it means to love God with all our heart, and I've suggested that loving God with our whole heart requires vulnerability and results in transformation. Now let's look at that second question. What does wholehearted love look like in our everyday lives? There could be countless different ways to live out wholehearted love for God, but let me offer just a handful of practical ideas. For those of you who have been following Jesus for a while, these might seem familiar to you, and you might even think, I've tried that. It didn't really work for me. I, I didn't really end up more loving towards God. But I wonder if the same practices done with a different intention might change the experience altogether. So listen not only for the general practices, but for the specific ways that you can offer God your heart through these practices. So whether these are all new to you or you've done some or all of them, I encourage you to to give something a try and see if it helps you grow in wholehearted love for God. So first, I want to mention prayer. Quite simple, but unfortunately there's many misunderstandings about prayer. Sometimes people approach prayer like a magic formula. If I say the right words in the right way and say it enough times, God has to do what I want him to do. Other times people treat prayer like a a transaction. God, I'll give you some praise, and I expect that you're going to bless my life with happiness, health, and wealth. Or prayer can be approached like a pointless regurgitation. You listen to someone's prayer request, and then you close your head, bow your eyes, and say the exact same words you just heard verbatim. And sometimes prayer is seen as a fruitless duty. I know I'm supposed to pray, but it seems like nothing ever happens. But what I want to encourage you to understand is that prayer is conversation. You have a relationship with God, and relationships are ultimately built on communication. If I saw my conversations with my wife as a magic formula, a transaction, or a pointless, fruitless duty, what kind of relationship would that be? It's not that different with God. We have a relationship with God. So communication involves speaking and listening and even just being silent in each other's loving presence. We grow in our love for God when we share deeply about our deepest longings, our our struggles, our pain. So if you want to give God your heart, I encourage you to have a heart-to-heart conversation with God in prayer. My second suggestion is a subset of the first, a, a certain kind of prayer, the prayer of examine. This is a prayer in which you debrief the day with God. In about 10 or 15 minutes, you, you reflect on the past 24 hours or so. You might begin with a simple acknowledgement of God's loving presence. You might give God thanks for something you're grateful for and ask him to search your heart. And, and then you just kind of go through the day remembering what happened, recalling the events. But the focus isn't only on what happened, but how you responded to what happened. You examine your heart with God. You you pay attention to your emotions throughout the day and what those emotions reveal to you. You notice the moments when you are more aware of God's goodness and his love, and you also notice the moments when you were more aware and in line with the brokenness of the world. And therefore, in the prayer of examine, you also express some, some gratitude for God's goodness as well as maybe some confession for anything that you, you may have done wrong. And then lastly, you, you close with a request for whatever you might need for the day ahead. So in the prayer of examine, it's another outlet for you to have a heart-to-heart conversation with God, reflecting on the day. It's essentially what you might do with with a close friend or a spouse. It's having quality time together, just sharing meaningfully about what you experienced. My third practical suggestion for living out wholehearted love for God is prayerful reading of scripture. There's all kinds of helpful ways to read the Bible. Uh, So if you're longing to understand it better, you might want to have in-depth Bible study, or if you're longing to remember Scripture more, you might want to try memorizing it. But if your goal in this moment as you're opening the Word is to grow in wholehearted love for God, then a prayerful approach to reading Scripture is most likely the helpful one for you. I find it helpful to have three things ready to go a Bible, a journal, and a sufficiently quiet space. I'll often begin with just a short prayer, here I am, Lord, speak to me today. I might weave in some silence, just stilling my heart before the Lord. And then I'll read a short passage of scripture. I try to have a receptive posture as I read it, not analyzing it too much or almost like arguing with the text or something, but but just receiving. And I, I try to have this be uh, more about transformation than, than information. I, I don't only want to learn about God, but I want to encounter God himself as he reveals himself through scripture. After reading, I reflect. I soak in the scripture and let it wash over my heart. I reflect on what God seems to be saying to me and, and how I feel about it. <laughs> That's a part that we might not do sometimes, but yeah, do I actually believe what I'm reading here? Do I want to live into this and then what it seems to imply? I reflect on these things. And then I respond. And here is where I often pull out my journal. You could simply respond in your heart with prayer, but I find it helpful to, to write a response. It helps me to focus. And it also kind of feels like sending letters back and forth. I read what's, what God has written in his word, and, and then I write a response in prayer. And I often find it's, it's this response piece where I sense God transforming my heart. I open my heart to God, and he transforms it with his love. After reading, reflecting, and responding, I then simply rest. I sit in silence, knowing that God is with me and for me. A prayerful reading of scripture is also called Lectio Divina, which is simply Latin for divine reading. Another way to grow in love for God is by singing to God. It's it's like that moment when my daughter sat on my lap and sang of my love for her and her love for me, we can sing of God's love and our love for God. This connects our hearts with his. And it, it involves our, our body, our mind, and our heart in something beautiful. You can sing to God on your own and of, of course you can sing to God together when we gather here as a community. Here at church, the music isn't a performance. It's not entertainment. It's not karaoke. This is an opportunity for you to join in, to sing of God's love, to sing of your love for God. So I encourage you to do so wholeheartedly. Sing wholeheartedly to the lover of your soul. While there could be many more ways to grow in wholehearted love for God, let me share just one more today. And that's being an agent of God's love in the world. When we give our whole heart to God, he shapes it to look like his heart, and God's heart is compassionate. God loves the world. God seeks and saves the lost. Jesus came to heal the hurting and to set the captives free. Love propels us to act, to join God in the renewal of all things. In the book Mansions of the Heart, Thomas Ashbrook wrote, a transformed heart filled with the love of God enables us to love and empowers the action that carries it out. An authentic love relationship with God will always result in love for neighbor. Being an agent of God's love in the world might look like volunteering your time to help meet needs locally or globally. It might look like giving to support what God is doing through the church and through parachurch ministries, It might look like doing your daily work in a way that reflects God's heart. It might look like being hospitable with neighbors, colleagues, and strangers, sharing God's love through what you say and what you do. It might look like becoming more loving towards family members that are hard to love. The last sermon in the series will expand on this again. So for now, I simply hope that you can already consider how your own love for God can be expressed in acts of love towards others. It may not be anything extravagant, but we can all play a role in God's transformation of the world through little acts of love. As Mother Teresa said, we cannot all do great things, but we can do small things with great love. When you give God your whole heart, he shapes it to resemble his compassionate heart. Like a skilled potter, God takes our heart in his hands and like dry, cracked clay, God softens us with love and skillfully shapes us into something beautiful. He removes our heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh that beats with his tender, compassionate pulse of love. Let's pray. Loving God, we ask that you help us to trust you with our whole heart. Help us to hold nothing back. Comfort us as we release our grip on the wounded parts of our heart. Gently clean our wounds with the purity of your perfect love. Fill us so full of your love that we cannot help but share that love with others, reflecting your heart of compassion for the world. We love you, Lord, knowing you first loved us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.